So this actually started two years ago, and um, one Sunday when we were in Calston, and one Sunday afternoon, Kevin and I had been meeting with some people prior to church, and the meeting had finished, and the people had gone off to do their thing, and Kevin and I had hung around McDonald's, which um, was our church meeting place at those days, and uh, over probably what was considerably, or arguably the worst coffee in the world, uh, (laughs) we, we chatted for some time. And uh, just as we were doing that, Kevin was just beginning to share his heart about a few things, really, about freedom, about walking as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And, you know, I thought it was so good, and, and we really don't get an opportunity sometimes to, to hear people's stories. And so in, in the conversation, I said to him, hey, you need to preach this. You need to come and share this. And he said, well, why don't you interview me about it? And then it gives an, a bit of an opportunity to talk about some various things. And I thought, yeah, it's a good idea. So it's really where we're at. So um, we're just going to have a chat and... He's just going to share some stuff as hopefully we talk about his journey in faith. And I think that's probably the best place to start. You know, so many of us, we're, we're journeying together and we're moving forward together, which is fantastic. But I think part of journeying together is also knowing where we've come from, you know. Um, and it's something that we often don't actually sit down and say to someone, hey, what's your story? And, uh, you know, so, Kevin, what's your story? Tell us a bit of your background. <laughs> right, <I> buckle in. <laughs> Um, I was born in 1964, so I'm the last of the baby, baby boomers. Come on. Of the ones who have ruined your um, prospect of getting a mortgage or something, <laughs> is that what it is? It's terrible. Um, I'm from Morrinsville in the Waikato, and uh, I uh, was um, yeah, born and bred down there, went to school there, went to the same college as uh, Jacinda Ardern. I, was, I made it great, and, now, and then she, she came along, and, and <laughs> you know, so I'm slightly younger than her. Uh, uh, sorry, <laughs> older than her, that's right. You wish. And um, yeah, went to, went to school there and um, uh, one, one, of my, uh, one of my greatest school achievements was I got 8% in school C maths, you know, and I just go, man, that wasn't very much and you know, everybody I talk to now just go, what, how did you get that? I said, I don't know, I answered my name and, and, and did a few other things, and, and guess what I do today? Like, you know, I just do numbers all day, adding, subtracting, numbers, numbers, numbers all day, and I just managed to make it work, you know? Uh, but, you know, I, um, I, my mum always used to, my mum's a, a very good um, Anglican, and she always used to say to me, go along to the, get involved in the youth group, you know, at, at the local Anglican church. And there's some real hot girls there. And so I thought, I'm definitely going to go there, because this is going to be good. <laughs> But they were really boring, you know, and so... Um, the girls or the yeah, church? Well, the, well, the girls were really boring. <laughs> and um, so I ended up going to a Baptist church uh, when I was there, uh, just in my later high school years, and, um, and uh, it, was, uh, it, it was there that I, um, you know, that I received an invitation to um, be involved in the relationship that Jesus has with his father, you know, and, and he made a call on my life at that stage to join in the relationship that he has. And I was going, man, I'm in for that. So that was one of the first times that I had a, um, in a sense, an invitation to find out who Jesus actually was and what he was actually there for. I, um, I started working for an optometrist there. His name's Peter. And, um, and he was my disciple. And he just, he helped me so much in just um, finding out who Jesus was, what has he done for me, and what has he done for us. And he taught me so many things. And you know, in, in um, say, somewhere, I'm pretty sure, it's in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, when you pray, 
you know, do this. When you give, do this. When you um, fast, do these things, you know. But I was just such a young believer and actually no idea how to do the three things, you know. How do I pray? How do I fast? How do I give? And that man, because I just kind of wrapped myself around him and he just taught me how to give, how to pray, how to fast. And so he started, I started working for him. He just said, well, why don't you come work for me? I said, what are you doing? He said, I make glasses. I'm an optometrist. So uh, I had no idea. I'd been packing grocery bags before that. And so I joined his firm. And, um, and he just taught me, by the way, how he lived. And so on how to do, on how to do the Jesus thing, on how to walk the way of a disciple. And while I was working for him, I decided that I'd like to go and do youth with a mission. So um, I did a YWAM um, discipleship training school, and I needed $700 for this. And I was like a very firm believer in, in giving and so on. And I thought, right, the Bible makes it very clear. If you give unto me, then, then I'll give back to you running, pressing down across your beard or something. Or I, that's the kind of the, I think that's what it says. You know, that he will give back to you, you know. And so I thought, man, I'm in for this. I, I need $700. I'm going to go to YWAM, you see, and do this thing. It's going to help my life. I'm going to be a better believer and things like that. And so I saved up $700. And I, and I gave that $700 in the offering bag at church, you know. And then I sat back there and thought, oh, this is going to be great because now he's going to give back to me the $700 so then I can go to YWAM, you see. And he said to me, thank you very much. And I got no $700, so I got nothing, nothing from that. And, you know, and this is one of those kind of lots, I was like 17, I think, you know, he just said, thank you very much. He said, you give unto me because you love me, not because you want something, you know? And so I think that, you know, from, from that very early stage, because I had um, kind of had a great disciple, he taught me how to give, how to pray, how to fast, how to do lots of things like that that I kind of learnt this little thing about money, which is a strange kind of thing. You give unto him because you love him, not because you want something. And it was painful because then I had to, and like I was earning $80 a week, I think, at that stage. And to, to, so to raise $700, it was a fairly big kind of thing. So I went off and did YWAM, came back to Auckland, uh, came back to the Waikato, had no job there, my friend had moved away. And so I moved to Auckland, started living with a, um, a divorced man and his mate. We flatted in a, in a flat in Newlyn. And um, we started a small group. We had no church permission. We, we weren't really attending one. But me and my mate, we said, we're going to start a small group. And so we started a small group, started inviting people along. And all we did is emptied ourselves into them. And we both ha had, uh, you know, I had my own, you know, troubles and and, uh, and things, but I'd learned some things as, being, as becoming, becoming a disciple on the things about how Jesus does his thing, on how Jesus works. And so we started the small group, done of various bits and pieces, and I met um, Kayleen when I was at YWAM. She was dating one of my roommates that were there. They were going out together. And then she turned up, and I didn't pay much attention, really. And then when I moved to Auckland, I met uh, this friend Jeff that we stayed with, uh, he knew Kayleen, and so I met Kayleen. And then uh, and we, we started, we didn't really start going out. We, uh, we did a few things together as a big group. And, uh, and then it just kind of, she was madly in love with me. I didn't know any of this. 
You can see Caden and get the true version later. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm just dumb, you know, and, um, and so on. And then it just kind of, one day it just came to me and I said, turned to my friend Jeff and I said, I think I'm going to marry Kayleen. And he said, about bloody time, you know. <laughs> and um, so um, we started going out on my birthday, which is June the 27th. And exactly six months later, we got married that same year in 1986. And, um, and we got two wonderful children who we just adore. And one of them is back living with me again, which is like great. And, um, and we started, you know, and I'd done a gazillion jobs. I ended up working at Turner's Car Auctions and was an auctioneer for a while. And, and um, you know, I've made paint and done packing, packing sunglasses and we worked three jobs each to get ourselves a mortgage and to get our house and things like that. And so, yeah, times are good and sometimes they were bad, you know. But in all these times that um, I've really dropped back on that I've surrounded myself with some people that have really helped me live the Jesus life. So Peter, my friend, and Morrisville helped me with th those things like that. And then, um, you know, even when I was um, living in Auckland here, I would, um, you know, here's a story. I had a dream one night. Well, I just kind of thought, I kept getting woken up in the middle of the night over and over again um, with uh, these words that was um, Ken and Jill in India. Ken is a longtime friend of mine. I ended up working for Ken. He's a builder. He taught me a whole bunch of things as well. I kind of wrapped myself with him, helped me to build, but also helped me to follow Christ. And him and his wife, they're involved with the mission work in India. He'd kind of partially told me about it, but, but not much more depth than that. And he kept just, you know, just kind of floating this idea and things like that. And then I had a dream one night, and the Lord just kept waking me up night after night after night after night, saying, and all I got was Ken and Jill in India. I didn't get anything else. <clears throat> and it was like, you know, the real good time of sleep, you know, the kind of one o'clock to three o'clock kind of thing, every night. And uh, I was working at that stage and got getting really tired because I wasn't getting the good sleep that I got, that I needed. And, uh, and I thought, I'm going to find out. It was weeks of this. And uh, so I thought, I'm going to ring up Ken and find out what that was. And then I thought, I'm not going to ring him. I'm just going to go to St. Luke's one night and he's going to be there. And uh, so I went to St. Luke's one night, knowing that they'd be there. I could have just rung him and said, I think we should have a talk, and so on. But I went to St. Luke's. I had two kids, small. We go there, having a feed. Kids eating their nugget, happy meal, and things like that. And I'm just scanning the crowd. You know when you're looking for somebody? I just keep scanning the crowd, looking for them. Sure enough, him and Jill walk on. I said to the kids, hurry up. I'm going that way. You know? <laughs> I got up and took off to find them. And they go, packing up their gear and... And I met them in some little shoe shop somewhere and they went, you know, it wasn't the nice common greeting that I, that I gave them because all I had every night for six or eight weeks was Ken and Jill in India and that was it. And he said, um, and he said, oh, hi, how are you? Haven't seen you for ages. I said, what the heck's going on? He goes, what do you mean? I said, for so many weeks I've had this dream and I've been waking up all the time thinking of you and Jill in India and things like that. And he said, funny you should say that. He says, we've been praying for you and Kayleen for about six or eight weeks. And I was going, hmm. That you, would, um, that you and Kayleen would come on board and help us in our work in India. And I said, sounds like a great idea. 
come round and tell us all about it. So he came round the following week and, and even to this day, we, we are still involved with the work in India because of a dream that, that are, or an awakening that I, that I got in the middle of the night for weeks on end and all I could think of is them. I've since made a, three trips to India and, um, and done some pretty cool work there. And it's just, you know, being a disciple is like, um, well, I find for me is that it's just continuing to look into heaven and going, I think there's something there. I don't quite know what it was, but meditating on that thing of I can see something in heaven, I think something's there. And the, the hard decision for me is, do I want to do something about that, that, that kind of view that I'm seeing, or do I want to just kind of do my own thing, you know? And I think probably the hardest part for me is, is that going, is this the right thing to do? Is this the right thing that I should be doing? Now, I've got this great little proverb that it says, you know, don't, it's in Proverbs somewhere, somewhere, and um, it's pretty good. I think it's 4.23, actually. And it says, don't withhold good from those that deserve it when you have the ability to do something about it. You know the one? So for me, when I looked at these things that I was getting involved with in, with India, within India, I was going, I think there's something I can do here, and it was a good thing that I could do, and do I want to do something about that? And, well, and it's in my power to do something about that. So I made a choice of doing something about that. So... Just a, um, you know, but I think for me, probably most of the time, is just continue to look into heaven and go, I think there's something there, and just and waiting for that thing. So, it's just a. Just give us a little bit of information about the Indian work. You've, you've kind of mentioned it before. Yeah, so um, uh, pr- probably uh, Ken, my friend, had a, uh, ha- has had a, um, a letter writing um, experience or, you know, journey with a man in India for quite a long time, or 30 years or something. And um, he started writing to this man who's a native Nepali person because of the diaspora and the problems in Nepal. He's moved into um, north, this side, eastern India, uh, jammed in between um, Nepal and Bangladesh and Bhutan. So it's a very little narrow area there. And, and he's a believer, loves Jesus, and wants to make disciples and plant churches. And so he somehow got in touch with Ken. They started having a good yarn about this thing uh, via letters. And, um, and, and Chandra, our friend in India, would write a letter. It would be flown over here. Ken would write a letter. They would join in heaven. And they'd both cross each other's paths, but they're both talking about the same thing. This is what I'm thinking about doing. I'm thinking about starting a, a Bible training school where I can raise disciples and church planters to go back into their villages and plant churches. That's the letter coming from India over to New Zealand. Ken's writing one from New Zealand going in the heavens across and landing in India. And his one was saying, I think we should um, consider starting um, raising local disciples and teaching them in the ways of God and how to plant churches. And they're like crossing in heaven and his is landing there while his is landing there, you know. And I think uh, probably, uh, I think we uh, train something like three or four hundred uh, native uh, Nepalese or Bhutanese and Sikkim um, people every year and a large number of those go and plant churches and th- they can plant it very similar to Kim you know they'll plant a church our size in like a week you know and, and the following week they go back there there's that many people again you know so very indigenous work there's no New Zealanders there we don't want our name on it 
And, you know, one of the things I really like about, about um, kind of giving, in a sense, is that, and, and particularly with this, is yes, we financially give to that, we prayerfully support that. But for me, and really deeply for me, is that there's no hook on that. There's no like, I'm going to give $200 a month or whatever it might be to that. And by the way, make sure that I get a, um, you know, KPIs. You know, I want to see some key product indicators, you know. That's what those are on the business kind of thing. Which is, I need three churches and 12 disciples and 12 baptisms, you know. You know. I, I just want to, I give that money... Because I trust the Holy Spirit in that person to do with that what the Lord has spoken to them about that. You know? So I don't care if they spend it on chips and lollies. It doesn't really bother me what they spend it on. Because I deeply trust the Holy Spirit that is in them to do what he's asked them to do. And I think that for me is that just hanging on to stuff and I'm just going, "Mm, I think there's a need in some other area if I gave that, but I'm just giving it like that, trusting that the Holy Ghost, right? Just trusting in the Spirit, trusting in Jesus that He will do what that they will do what He what He has entrusted them to do. Because I don't really care about hooks and tags and things like that. I've been trying to give money away for years. I don't have a lot of money. Don't worry. I don't have a giant checkbook. In fact, I've got no money. In fact. I mean, one of the classic, one of my classic stories from when we were involved in our work in India was they came here, the husband and wife of our, of our missionary uh, family came to New Zealand. We brought them here. We paid for them to get here. We accommodated them here. We dragged them around the countryside so, so they could tell their story. And so on, whilst they were here, they, they inherited, well, they accumulated a debt, all right, because um, they had to spend in a sense, um, money that we'd given for mission work, they had to spend that to come here and, and stay. So they had a debt of $1,400. When they left New Zealand, went back there, they got in touch and said, actually, for us to come to New Zealand, it cost us $1,400, which is missionary money that we gave to them to do their thing. And I was talking with Ken and our little kind of committee, for more of a better word, that are involved with the kind of, you know, helping it, prayerfully supporting that. And, um, and there's about five of us there, I think. And, um, and so Ken said, he said, well, they've inherited a debt of $1,400, and we really need to kind of fix that. And I'm the poorest one in that room by a country mile. All the other people are just, they have money. And that they'll give that money, right? And as Ken says this thing, in my spirit, I'm hearing the Lord say to me, Commit yourself to half, all right? $700. Commit yourself to half of that money. And I'm looking around that room, and there are those people would have that money rolling around in their ashtrays, all right, in their cars. It's re- they were wealthy people there. And the Lord's speaking to me, the poorest one there, saying, Give seven, commit yourself to $700. And I'm going, this is going to be great, all right? Because at the same time, Kaylee and I, we were kind of earning, kind of, you know, we work, we've always worked, we've always earned reasonably all right. But I'm just kind of going, this is going to be fun, because I knew in the back of my mind, I'm going, this is going to be so cool, but I know full well that at, at home, I've got some bills that need to be paid, right? Some things that are there. 
And it's in that small, crazy little space between shall I do this, shall I not? I'm looking at the bank balance. I'm hearing a voice. Is it the right thing to do? Is it responsible? Is that wise? All of those dilemmas that are swirling around. And I just said, I'll give half at the same time of going, yippee, and the other half of me is going, OMG, right? <laughs> what am I done? So I just, I spoke it out. I said, yeah, I'll do 700. And the rest of them just said, yeah, we'll pick up the rest. And I was going, man, why didn't you say that to start with, you know? <laughs> you know? But again, you know, I just, I just kind of, I thought I looked into heaven or just kind of had a view of something and felt that I heard his voice and just kind of had a go. Then, so I go, okay, I'm committing myself to $700. I had no access of gathering that $700 to, to do this, to pay what I'd said I would pay. I'm building at this stage. My friend, who's a lovely Christian man, and his wife and family, and they, I'd been doing some work on the house. He said to me, um, would you be able to come and fix my shower for me? I'll get it all ready for you. And I just said, no, I'm not coming. He said, no, do you really want you? I can't get anybody else. And, and a long kind of story, and I keep saying to him, no, I'm not coming. No, I'm not coming. I've got plenty of things to do. I'm not coming. And I kind of, I don't know, I had no, I couldn't see into heaven at this stage. There was no, like, vision or anything else. It was just like, he's saying, please come. Please. I said, no, no, go away. And finally, I kind of, sucked it up and, and said, yeah, I'll come. But I'm coming on Saturday between 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock. Make sure you've got that ready, that ready, that. Everything's got to be ready. Yep, yep, we'll have it already. I got that, 2 o'clock. Worked till 4 o'clock. He gave me $500 right for that. And I said to him, you are nuts, you know. Like I wanted about $90, right, for that. He gave me $500. And I said, you're crazy. He said, no. He says, I don't think we're crazy. He said, because I believe, my wife and I, we believe that you've committed yourself to an area of ministry where you had no opportunity of, you never knew where that money was coming from. And we want to we want to provide that money for you, for that. Gave me $500. And I was going, yes. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking in the, in the I'm thinking, you know, three weeks earlier, I'd committed myself to $700 where I had no opportunity of gaining that funds. And then I refused to do a job, ended up doing it for $90, but he gave me 500 So it was just, and the other 200 just appeared because I kind of looked into heaven, made that kind of step, and, and here I am, you know. Um, I don't know, it's just that one story. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that I uh, really struck me, and you know, when you get different people to ask people to describe you, they come up with all sorts of descriptions and probably profitable not to talk about some of those today. <laughs> but one of the things that really strikes me, and this is why I asked actually Kevin to, to speak about it, things, is his, his spirit of generosity. And, um, you know, he's even a little bit embarrassed to share some of this to us today. And I actually asked him specifically to do it because he just has uh, uh, such, when he's shared, the, the spirit under which he works, the characteristics of, of the way he ministers in this whole area, to be honest, has been a real challenge to me. 
And it's been so, just his heart, you know, you, and I hope you picked that up, that he talked about, you know, looking into heaven and seeing what heaven did. Well, in his current situation was what he felt heaven was saying to him and, and just picking up on that thread. And, um, you know, it's been such a, a powerful thing to understand that. And, and so just maybe even enlarge a little bit more on, on how you determine your giving, you know, and uh, because it is so radically different. And, I mean, you've already talked about it a little bit, but, I mean, actually, I'll say one thing we're even talking about, Kevin and I, I don't know if you saw the other day, we were in, um, at the museum, we, went, we, were, we were becoming cultured, we thought it was time that we got a bit of culture, and so we went to the museum and the art gallery all in one day, I tell you, what can I say? But, but when we were there just sitting there talking, one of, the, one of the things, King, we were just talking about this a little bit more, and one of the things he said, you know, he said, I never want to ask the question, why should I? He said, you know, so often I hear people say, why should I give? And he said, the question I always ask is, why wouldn't I? Not why should I, but why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I be in the situation of blessing someone or ministering to someone? And to me, that's such a powerful challenge. You know, why wouldn't I? Well, you know, as Kevin said, I've got, not got this, I can't do that, I can't do the other thing. But in that, are they the criteria on which we judge? If we live in another world, if we live out of another realm, where do we, where do we draw our perspective on that? So maybe, maybe comment a little bit more on that. <coughs> um, I really quite like to sing, and um, I do a pretty mean Neil Diamond. <laughs> Those of you that were here last week. Those of you who weren't here, you missed it. Sweet Caroline. It's, on, it's actually up on our Liberty oh, gee, Don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> so good, so good. Yeah. Um, but a, a few years ago, um, excuse me, I was, um, we were at a church out in West Auckland and we were doing worship practice on a Saturday morning and so on and, and there was a bunch, a few of us there. Carly was at home with the kids. I think the kids were there. I can't remember now. And, um, and a, a man came in, a, a very large, strong kind of man, and, uh, and, and we were just practicing our worship and so on, and I was kind of, you know, had some kind of um, inclination to go and kind of say, you know, can I help you? There was only us there, there was nobody else there, and, and so on. He says, no, he said, I, I heard there's a church down here, and I'm looking for so-and-so, and I said, well, that's not, he's not here, we don't know who he is, we're just some we just a little church here, and we're just practicing our worship for tomorrow. We have a church service here tomorrow, and and uh, so we had a little bit of a chat. And I said, but I just kind of felt again. I kind of get a load of this. I'm kind of looking into heaven, and uh, and I thought there's something about this man that I don't really know very much about, or that I just had some kind of compassion towards. And I said to him, well, um, where do you need to go? And he goes, oh, I need to go here. And I said, well, why don't you hang around? I'll, um, I'll see what we can do afterwards. So we sang, and he just sat there, just, just a, like a one-person audience while we're worshipping, you know. And afterwards, I had a bit of a chat with him, and I said, what are you doing? He said, oh, I've got to see so-and-so, and I want to go there, and so on. I said, well, what are you doing for lunch? And he goes, oh, not very much. I said, well, you come home with us then. So I gave Kane a ring on the way home. I said, we've got guests for lunch. And she said, who is it? And I said, I don't know. And, and so we brought this man into our house, and, um, and so we had a bit of a talk with him about his story, and he is a soldier. He, he served for New Zealand. Um, he would have been 50, and, uh, and he served uh, our forces in various war zones around the world. And so he had a bit of a trip. He had some hard times had fallen on him, and uh, he, he wasn't that well. And, um, 
And so he ate with us. And, and we just um, shared what we had. And we had, you know, we just bought some spaghetti or something. And, and then afterwards I said, um, where do you want to go? And he goes, oh, I want to, where are you staying? He said, oh, I'm staying at this place in the Strandon town and, and so on. And, and so I said, oh, I'll drop you in because he was going to walk. Like we were at Henderson and Strandon, so far away. And I said, oh, I'll drop you in. And then when I left Henderson and we're driving through Henderson, I was thinking, I, so I just said to him, um, have you got any food there? And he goes, well, no, I don't really have much food. And I said, oh, we'll call in at the, at the supermarket, you know, we'll get some stuff for you. And so we go in there and I'm grinning at this stage. I think, this is hilarious. It's really funny, you know. And I'm going, this is going to be something else. I'm kind of thinking of heaven as well at this stage, you know. And you know when you think like um, you're getting taken for a ride, you know? And, um, but it was kind of a fun ride. Really a lot of fun. Because it was like hilarious. It was really funny. Because I was thinking, man, I'm getting stitched here. I'm definitely getting stitched here. And so we go around the aisles. and So I just get a trolley. I said, what, which bits do you want? And he goes, oh, I wanted some of those and some of those. And we're just going around the aisles and around the thing. And the, the old trolley's getting full. And I'm going... This is going to be so cool, you know? We get the thing, pay the people there, you know, a hundred-something dollars. Or... And then we took him into town, we gave him his food, and, and we blessed him, and, and, and we never saw him again, you know? And I love telling this story because, like, 99% of my friends would tell me, you got taken for a ride. He saw you coming and stuff like that. Every single one would say that. Except for me, when I was just going, you know, um, when you do it for the least of these, you, you know, you do, you do that unto me. Because I reckon that day there, I... I, and I keep telling my friends that said, you got taken for a ride. I keep saying to them, I think I went shopping today with Jesus. You know? Because when we do things for others who owe us nothing, we get nothing from them. It's impossible for them to return the gift or the privilege or the, the blessing. or They can't do anything. They can't do anything at all. Like my friends in India... I would give that to that because I see what's going on in heaven. I see what is happening there. And I'm just going, I'm going to give to that. They can't even write me a letter, right, to say thank you very much, you see. But I trust that Holy Ghost in them. And with this man here that we met, and we, we met for about five hours, and then we sent him on his way. But I think it was there that I met Jesus again. And I think that... Um, for me, having the opportunity of seeing something that cannot repay, I have no benefit in doing this. There's a hundred percent. There's no benefit in me moving down this path, but it is a whole benefit to them, and it is a benefit to what's happening in heaven. <clears throat> you know, I don't know. I think it says it in Acts somewhere that you know maybe um, one of the apostles probably says, this is pretty random, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. You know, when we, when somebody gives us something, so it's my son's birthday during this week, and we gave him things. He was blessed. 
Do you know who was actually blessed? Me. I was blessed. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Yes, they feel that they've been blessed, that things have happened to them, that they've been privileged, or that, oh, thank you so much for that. They're very grateful and thankful. But for me as a giver, or for us as givers, you know, we actually, I just get super blessed because I'm, well, and, and in the case of India, it was $700. I wasn't in a position to be able to give, but I gave anyway. I just, you know, years ago I had a checkbook and I kept looking in that going, I've got the money, I'll write a check for it. But when, when I keep looking into heaven, the checkbook just disappears after a while. And I just go, I cannot give to the... I cannot give what I have. I've got to give what I don't have, you know? And, and I don't really know how that works, but I just keep... Why am I looking... Because I'm really not giving out of faith then. Because my thing of putting my hand up and say, yeah, I'll give $700 to that, that wasn't out of, well, I've got the seven because I've got my checkbook out there and I've balanced it out. And I've got... $10,000 in there or $1,000 in there. So if I give seven, I'll still have 300 left and I'll still be able to buy this and this and this and this, you see. But I just didn't want to look at that. And, and for me, I just kept listening to his voice and going, I think you should do this. And then you just got to step out and have a go. And I just stepped out and had a go and said, yeah, I'll give that. Like with man in that supermarket, I just went, I think it's the right thing to do. I think I can do that. Was I looking for a trick book? No. Was I panicking? Absolutely. You know? But was I blessed? Yes. But who was blessed? That man was blessed. I think I went shopping with Jesus. Wouldn't you love to do that? Do you know? Um, but yeah, that's so good, Kevin. Our time's drawing to an end. One of the things, you know, I just really want to encourage you is, you know, it's so easy to come in and give a teaching or talk about these sorts of things. But to hear the heart of a journey of someone who's journeyed in Christian faith walking the Jesus way, because the Jesus way is alternative. And I said it, I think it was last week, that, that you know, living, living the Jesus way is out on the, out on the branches. That's where the fruit's found. And, um, you know, we've been trained to always be cautious, to always do our sums, to always make sure that there's, that, you know, basically we're number one. And if we want to give, we give out of our extras that after we've tallied it all up and uh, I'm sure all of us have stories of faith that we can tell where God has told us to go out on the extreme and to take a risk and God has met us but there's also the reality sometimes where God doesn't meet us in the way we perceive it and uh, then you know sometimes we get confusion but it's just been so good to, to hear your personal journeys today and how God's led you you know and taught you different things so mm. I really appreciate that do you have any last kind of Words to sum up in maybe 30 seconds. <laughs> 30 se well, I've never known you to speak only for 30 seconds ever. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to Trent last week where I was at the museum getting cultured. And, um, and I've been reading this week uh, a, a psalm, Psalm 121. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from you, the maker of heaven and earth. <clears throat> And, you know, in those days when this was written, they had the Ashtaroth poles that were on the hills, you know. And so the people were looking to the hills for those, for those poles to be able to, those idols and, you know, 
and those false gods and things like that to be able to that's where they were that was where they were expecting their help to come from. I lift my eyes up to the hills. Does my help come from there? Right? Is the is the question. And the psalmist goes on because it's a song of ascent, you know, it's a psalm of ascent. They're ascending to they're on their travels to Jerusalem. And so they look to the hills where the poles are. Does my help come from those false things that the poles represent? And the psalmist continues, my help comes from the Lord, who is the maker of heaven and earth. He made the heaven and earth. And then he goes on and says some other lovely things in in that same psalm. But my encouragement for us is not to actually look to the hills or look to things or look to visual images that we can get our help from. Because our help comes from the Lord, from Jesus, who is the maker of heaven and earth. Father, we just thank you that you are the maker of heaven and earth, that you are our maker, you are our our father. Lord, we just thank you for the testimony today of your goodness, your provision. Uh, Father, we want to learn, each one of us, what it is to be Jesus' followers, to walk the way of Jesus. Father, we know that at times that's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to stretch us lots. But Father, in each part, in each part of that road as we walk it, we learn so much more, we experience, we encounter the beauty and the glory of Jesus. So Father, I just thank you for this testimony today. Lord, I just pray for each one here that their testimonies that they have, the Father, they will continue to grow. They'll continue to grow day by day as they encounter the goodness of God and the challenge of what it is to be a Jesus follower. So Father, we just pray blessing upon each one now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hey, bless you.